Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. I've been wanting to do an episode like today's for a really long time because this conversation is so important. And now the timing is finally right for it because October, if you didn't know, is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. This is important because for so long, pregnancy loss and stillbirth and infant loss has been this taboo topic or this uncomfortable topic that so many people just don't know how to talk about. And so those who go through this experience often feel isolated. They have prolonged grief and there's not a lot of support for them. Well, in recent years, we are starting to change that narrative to create more conversation and more support surrounding pregnancy and infant loss. And I get two questions more than I get any other question. And the first one is from other lost moms asking me, why do I feel this way? And how long am I going to feel like this? And then the other question I get is from friends of moms who have lost a pregnancy or an infant. And they ask me, how do I show up for my friend? I want to be there. But I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I haven't experienced this before. How can I show up? And so today on this episode, I thought it would be so beneficial for all of us to just sit and have a really meaningful girls chat about the feelings that come after pregnancy and infant loss and why we might feel that way. And then as a friend, How do I show up for my friend? So this episode is going to serve you if you have gone through a loss, which I just want to honor you and tell you that I'm so deeply sorry for this invisible pain that you carry. And then for those who have not personally experienced it, but have a friend or a family member who has, and you just feel like you don't know what to do, this episode is going to help you understand how they might be feeling and then give you tools and suggestions that you can then go and show up for your friends with. So I had an interesting conversation with my grandma yesterday and she's given me permission to talk about this. My grandma had a miscarriage and this was what, 60 years ago. And I asked her yesterday what the conversation surrounding miscarriage was like at that time for her. And she said that nobody talked about it. She said that one of the hardest parts of going through it was not only losing her baby, but then not having support because all of her friends knew that she was no longer pregnant, but she said none of them would ever talk about it with her. And one day she was at a party and someone that she barely knew came up to her because it was recently after she had had her loss and she was still feeling really weak and she just wasn't doing great. And this woman came up to her and she said, hey, I heard that you lost the baby And I want to let you know that I've gone through that too. Why don't you come and sit by me and we can rest together? And she said that was the only person 
who ever really said anything to her about it. And as I think about the amount of women who have gone through a really heartbreaking, life-altering loss and then had nobody to talk about it with because people just feel uncomfortable surrounding this topic, it breaks my heart. And I'm proud of you for being a part of this conversation today because I know it's not easy no matter what end of the spectrum you are on, whether you are one who has lost a baby or you are one who are supporting someone who has lost a baby, no matter where you land, it's painful and it's hard and it's hard for different reasons, but I'm just proud of us for showing up to have this conversation because it is time that families and women and men get the support and the validation that they need after experiencing a pregnancy or infant loss. If this is your very first time listening to me and the Healing Her podcast because a friend sent it to you or you just saw it on the internet, I want to let you know that one of the reasons why this topic is so important to me is because I have my own personal experience with it and I have shared the story of my own late pregnancy loss with my baby boy Jace in episode one. So you can go back and listen to that there where I go into more details and how I was feeling and my experience. But what I want to answer right now and what I want to talk about first is why do I feel this way after having a pregnancy loss? I have learned that when we can get words to how we are feeling, it is empowering because then we can create a step forward because we can identify how we're actually feeling. Now, one of the things that I was very surprised to feel after my late pregnancy loss was betrayal trauma. Betrayal trauma is a type of grief and experience that we can have through a lot of different types of losses, but specifically in miscarriage, we can experience betrayal trauma surrounding our own body. We feel like the thing that we should trust more than anything else that we have felt safe in, that we can never escape from because it's part of us. Some of us feel like it has betrayed us and that betrayal leaves this trauma which makes us feel unsafe in our bodies. I remember that I wanted to run away from myself for so long, but I couldn't do that. How could I run away from myself? I felt like I was literally trapped in this physical body that I didn't want to be a part of, but there was nowhere else for me to go. And so often I would have these pains or these symptoms or these things that I was feeling after my pregnancy loss that would just skyrocket my anxiety and it would skyrocket my self-blame. And I just felt like I was living in this shame surrounding my body. I want you to know that betrayal trauma is a very normal and common reaction to miscarriage. And I do not say that to minimize the pain that you feel surrounding it, if that's something that is impacting you, but I say that to validate that, yes, that feeling of feeling betrayed by your body has a name for it. And also, it is so difficult. That betrayal trauma on top of the grief that you are experiencing can also lead to a big disconnection from your spouse. We actually talked about that in the last episode of how do we find connection with our spouse when it's so hard to find connection with ourselves. And what I have learned over and over again is that when we are just trying to do the basic things to meet our needs, like get out of bed, get dressed, 
brush our hair, take a shower, maybe eat some food. It's hard to connect with other people when you are solely in this survival mode. And for a lot of us, the early stages of pregnancy loss, the grief that comes puts you in a survival mode that makes it really difficult to connect with other people around you, specifically your partner. Something else that can make miscarriage and pregnancy loss really hard is that many people don't have a funeral. And I'm going to tell you why this matters is because there's a difference between grief and mourning. Grief is the internal feeling that you feel around a loss and mourning is an outward expression of you honoring that loss. Well, when there's a miscarriage, often there is not a funeral, which means that usually there is no outward mourning. That's so important to realize because there's no closure. There's no people coming up and giving us sympathy or getting in a room together to say goodbyes. Often it is very jarring. It's very abrupt and we lose this very normal part of the death process, which is funerals. You know, funerals aren't for those who have transitioned. They are for us. They're for the people who are still here because it helps us in our grief. And then when you don't have that, it makes it really difficult. So something that we did and that I love sharing about is that we actually did have a funeral, but on top of that, we also created a memorial for our baby boy. So we created a place where we can go and honor him that we can actively see. And I think that so many families who experience pregnancy and infant loss often don't have that place or haven't gone through that memorial process. And so it kind of leaves a lot of loose ends open. Something that w was so beneficial for me was being able to plant a tree in my baby's name. And that can look like a lot of different ways if that feels supportive to you. Maybe it's a tree, maybe it's flowers, maybe it's painting something, maybe it's planting a garden, whatever that thing is. What we know in grief is that if we can create a ritual that honors the person we have loved who is no longer with us, it helps our grief be able to express itself and helps us a little bit better move forward in a way that is healthy and acknowledges our loss while also giving it appropriate channels for our emotions to come out. Another word that I want to share with you, which you might be feeling, is called disenfranchised grief. And disenfranchised grief is something that happens when you experience a loss that society feels really uncomfortable talking about. There's a lot of different losses that fall into this category, and specifically for what we are talking about today, miscarriage is one of those losses and pregnancy loss, late pregnancy loss, infant loss, stillbirth. It is part of the experience of disenfranchised grief because people just get really uncomfortable talking about it. They don't know what to say. And instead of saying things that validate our grief, we often can hear things like, well, at least it was early. Or don't worry, you will get pregnant again. Or at least you can get pregnant. Or everything happens for a reason. Or, you know, you've heard them. 
you've heard the things. And if you're someone also who's listening and you've said something like this to a friend, well-meaning, I want you to not feel guilty about it because when we don't understand what is happening in the grieving process for people, we are literally just trying to say anything because we want them to feel better. And I don't want you to feel bad about it. That's why we're having this conversation so that we can know moving forward, how can we better address these situations and show up differently for each other. But there's a few reasons why miscarriage and pregnancy loss and infant loss have historically fallen under this umbrella of disenfranchised grief. And I'm going to just name some of them so that we can just get a better understanding of why are we uncomfortable talking about this? The first thing is historical stigma, because throughout history, fertility, the ability to have children, it's been closely linked to a woman's worth and their social status. Especially, you know, a long time ago, miscarriage was often seen as a personal failure, which then contributed to the stigma surrounding it. And we've had to do so much work to change that narrative where the amount of children you have that a woman has is not linked to your worth or to your social status. But historically it was and so a lot of that conditioning and messaging can still really impact us today cultural and religious beliefs also impact how people feel about the topic of miscarriage and pregnancy loss there's also such a lack of education around it we lack just as a whole a comprehensive understanding of miscarriage of why it occurs of what it means and there can be so many different misconceptions and misinformation because of that that causes really harmful implications and then that just contributes more to the silence around the topic well i have learned when you are in grief one of the hardest things to hear is nothing right it's the silence It's the lack of acknowledgement. And so I think that a lack of education surrounding the topic then leads to a lack of saying anything. So it leads to the silence, which is so, so painful. Another reason why there is this stigma around pregnancy loss is because people are fearing being insensitive. People don't want to be insensitive when you are going through a hard time. And then trying to avoid it just causes more pain there's also a social pressure there's there's like this expectation around pregnancy around childbirth in society and it can be really intense i mean just think about how many different opinions there are on how you should mother or how you should labor or how you should breastfeed or how you should feed your baby i mean in motherhood as a whole there are so many opinions and so The expectations around those, when you experience a pregnancy loss, there's this pressure to have a healthy pregnancy, to have this healthy family. And then when you experience a loss, discussing that pregnancy loss can feel even more difficult, especially because of outside ideas or judgment. And then you just kind of want to shrink away a little bit. Something else that I want to bring up um, with disenfranchised grief is that often if someone in the relationship is getting support surrounding it, it's usually the mother because of gender stereotypes, because often men aren't given the permission to show their emotions and their feelings. And this can cause a lot of lack of support for the male in the relationship 
Um, a lot of the messaging for males in grief in general is to get over it, to just throw your head down into work, to just keep busy. And then when you bring that to a marriage or a partnership and the woman is having a really hard time because historically women want to talk about our grief, we want to process it outwardly. And so then if your partner is not talking about it with you, there can be resentment that arises because then you think that if you are in a heterosexual relationship, that your male partner is just like, I, he, it's not bothering him. How is he over this already? How, how is he moving on? And I'm just still here. And, and then that can cause a lot of resentment. But in reality, he's most likely just grieving differently. And Mike and I actually talk about this in episode three because that almost destroyed our marriage. And there's a lot of conversations that we had to have surrounding how we were both grieving so differently from each other. But I just wanted to give you some of that language so that you know why disenfranchised grief happens. It actually has nothing to do with you as a beautiful, brave, resilient human. It has to do with people's lack of education and themselves being uncomfortable surrounding the topic that they don't know how to approach it. And so I just want to make sure that you know that. Something else that I want to validate is that for me, and I know for so many other women that I have talked to, is that the fear of being pregnant again after pregnancy loss, oh my goodness, that can be so isolating and anxiety-driven. It was so hard for me every single day after I got pregnant again was so hard. I would lay in bed at night and I would cry and my husband would hold me and I would listen to meditations on my phone just trying to fall asleep to get through the night. Every single thing just felt so scary. In my second pregnancy, I was a high-risk pregnancy and I was even at the doctors like twice a week getting checkups on myself and the baby to make sure she could get here safely and it still, it's still was so scary all the other days when we weren't checking on her. And I know that there are women listening to this who have gone through recurrent pregnancy losses. And and that is a trauma that I know keeps repeating for so many of you. And I just want to honor that and validate that. I hope that just hearing some of the words that you might be feeling is helpful. And before we move on to you know, okay, well, now that I'm understanding a little bit more about why a friend might be feeling this way or why I'm feeling this way, now how do I support them? Something else that I really want to just pause on is another feeling that you most likely feel, which is guilt. I need you to know this about guilt. Guilt is a normal part of the grieving process for many reasons, but one of those reasons is that our brains need to feel safe existing in this world. So what guilt does is our brains grasp onto this feeling of guilt so that we start telling ourselves it was my fault. That if I would have done X, Y, or Z differently, then this wouldn't have happened. Therefore, it will be safe for me to be bringing it again in the future because I'm going to avoid X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to get this thing addressed or I'm going to do more tests or whatever that story is that's not true that we're telling ourselves guilt tells us that we are safer to blame ourselves 
than we are to exist in an unpredictable world that things happen that we don't have answers for. I need you to know that it's not your fault. That your pregnancy or infant loss is not your fault. And I am so sorry that you've had to be such a brave and a strong and a resilient mom. It is not your fault. If there's anything that you take away from our time together today, I want you to know that it's not your fault. So now that we understand just some of those core feelings that can come, the guilt, the betrayal trauma, on top of just already grieving the disenfranchised grief and how that makes us feel lonely and our lack of being able to mourn outwardly with things like a funeral, now then how can we show up for our friends? Because I want to show up for my friend. I want them to know they're supported, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. And here's what I always say. I know that you don't want to say the wrong thing and that's a really great starting place to start the conversation with your friend. If you want to open up the conversation and you don't know how, what you can literally say is, hey Ashley, or whatever her name is, hey Ashley, I know that you are hurting and my heart is breaking with yours. I want you to know that I want to be here with you and I'm going to walk through this journey with you. And I also don't have all the answers. And I'm also really scared that I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I just want you to know that. But I'm here. That is such a great place to start. Now, there's some things that my own family did for me that I'm going to share with you that were super helpful. And some things that other people said to me that were very much not helpful. <laughs> Something that my family did is that they showed up a lot. In my grief that I was in, I wanted to be by people. I think part of that was because I had been isolated in the hospital when I had to deliver my baby boy by myself. And I felt really unsafe in my body. And so I just, I wanted people around. Now, I will also tell you that it is very normal and common for people to not want anyone around. So I'm going to tell you what to do in both situations. But my family was constantly checking on me. Even if it was they were just sitting in my room with me because I was in my bed for several months after uh, my loss. Bringing food was so important. There's this part of grief that is so hard, you guys, where you are expected to just keep living in a world that is still spinning when your whole world has stopped. It is so hard to keep up with bills, dinner, dishes, and so if you're looking for a tangible thing to do for a friend, start there. Ask them, hey, have all your bills been paid this month? Can I come get your mail and just go through and make sure that you are caught up on everything? Because let me give you a personal example of this. One time um, during a really hard season of grief for Mike and I, everything else just kept spinning. Our world stopped. And one day I went to go take a shower finally and our water had been turned off. And we didn't know because I hadn't gotten the mail for so long. So it's like, what are those tangible things that are hard to do when you're sitting in grief? Getting your mail and making sure your, your bills are caught up with is one of them. So if you want to go to their house and just go through their mail, that is such an incredibly supportive thing to do. I cannot even tell you. Um, a lot of times, too, I know that we want to ask our friends, well, just tell me how I can help you or just let me know if you need anything. 
putting that pressure on someone who doesn't know what they need for themselves is really hard. They're never going to tell you anything. Uh, 99% of the time, if you ask your friend what they need or or to just let you know if they need anything, you're never going to hear from them because they don't know or they don't want to be a burden to you or whatever that is. So what I like to suggest is to say, hey, I can imagine things are hard right now to get meals together every night. So on Thursday at six, I'm going to come bring X, Y, Z. Let me know if you'd rather have something else to eat, but I will be there. And and then you can go on and say, I'm going to knock and I'll wait just a minute. And in case then you don't want to see me, if you don't come the door, I'm just going to put it on your doorstep. That is one of the most amazing things that you can do for your friend. Let them know you're there, but that they don't need to see you if they don't have that capacity yet. So showing up with just really practical things can be so helpful. We had friends who went through a stillbirth and we lived out of state. And I know that when also you are going through grief, your house can look like it has just not been cleaned for a really long time because things pile up and you don't have the energy for it. So I found a cleaner in her area and I told her that I was sending a cleaner to her house and asked her what time and what day she would be there that would be okay for someone to come in and I sent the cleaners over. So whether you send someone over or you go in yourself to just do dishes depending on how good of friends you are, that is also something that is just really practical that can be really helpful. Something that my sister did for me is she sent me a gift that we could have forever that has been actually really sweet because we now are able to talk about Jace and bring him him up naturally in conversation when people come over. But she sent me a wind chime and it says his name on it and it says his birthday and it hangs out right on our back porch and when the wind blows every time I hear it, And I'm reminded of him. We share it with our baby girl. Every time she walks under the wind chime now, she says, Jace. And it is the sweetest thing. And when people come over and they see it or they're like, oh, that's pretty. Like, oh, that's actually in honor of our baby boy who's no longer with us. Or when my family's over and they know it's about Jace, they'll be like, man, isn't that really cool? It feels like he's with us in this conversation or this experience right now. So being able to have a tangible gift that lasts forever, at least for me, felt a lot more supportive than getting things like flowers that I then had to figure out how to take care of or that died. You know, I'm sharing my experience with this because there are people who would probably love getting flowers, but something that was hard for me on getting flowers after my loss is that eventually they die. And when they die, it means that more time has gone on and it kind of feels like, then people are starting to forget about you or you're in this new season that's a little bit more removed by yourself. And to have something that lasted through everything with me just felt really, really good. I also want to offer a phrase that you can say to a friend. So often when people are sitting in their grief, they always hear, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how that would feel. I I can't even imagine how hard this would be. And I know that this is meant to be so supportive. And again, if you have said this to people before, because I've said this to people before, I am learning as I go too, right? Like we're not getting this perfect. We're all trying our best. So if you've said this to someone, it's okay. 
But I want to just share a phrase that can feel more supportive to the person that you're talking to moving forward. Something that I like to say is, I can only imagine how hard this was. I turn the can't into can, and here's why. People want to feel like other people understand the pain that they are going through, or at least that they're not in it alone. When you tell someone, I can't imagine what you're going through, it makes them feel even more isolated in in their grief than they already are. I want you to imagine. Like, I want you to just try for a second to put yourself in my shoes so that then you can have the empathy that I need for you to keep showing up for me. I was with a friend. It was actually Tara Jones from a few podcast episodes ago. And I told her during the conversation, I said, I can only imagine how difficult this has been or whatever I said. And afterwards, she said, I was going to bring this up on the podcast episode, but I forgot. She said, that was one of the only times anyone's ever said that to me. Usually people say, I can't imagine. And she said, I can't tell you how supportive that felt and how seen I felt you just saying, I can only imagine. It makes people feel like you're trying to at least be in their same sphere of grief with them. And that's a really good phrase to add in when you are supporting a friend. I don't want to make this conversation too long today because I really want it to feel accessible and tangible and just give you some language and some action items that you can do. And so I hope that some of these things you can go and implement and you feel like, okay, I have this toolkit. I'm going to go show up for my friend. I It's okay if I don't get it right 100% of the time, but what is most important is that they know I am there with them and I am acknowledging their pain. Especially in disenfranchised grief, like we've been talking about, people just need to be seen. They need to be acknowledged. Hearing from someone that, hey, I can only imagine how hard this is. I just want you to know I see you and I'm so freaking sorry or whatever that language looks like. People need to be witnessed in their pain. It is one of The top things that we need when we are going through grief is for someone else to witness our pain. And that's what your job is as a friend. As a friend, your job isn't to fix it or to take it away or to say the thing that's going to take it away because it's literally not possible. It's just to show up and to witness them and to honor them and to hold their hand while they cry, even if you're sitting in silence or to drop food off or to clean a dirty dish or make sure their bills are paid. Just be in the mess of it with them. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation with us today. I hope it was supportive. And before we go, I want to tell you about a very important day that is coming up on Sunday. It is October 15th and it is specifically Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Day. Now all around the country at 7 p.m., wherever your time zone is, is an event called Wave of Light. And during the wave of light, you light a candle in honor of a baby that has been lost. This is a way that you can honor your own baby. And it's also a way that you can honor a friend's baby. So if you're trying to think of something tangibly that you can do right now, on the 15th, you can send them a photo of you having a lit candle and saying, hey, I'm honoring your baby tonight for this wave of light. It's a really special night. We participated in it um, the past few years and it just gives us space to outwardly mourn, 
with others and feel like your baby hasn't been forgotten about. So I wanted to make sure that you knew about that. In preparation for October 15th, I actually asked you guys on Instagram if any of you wanted me to honor your baby's names. And I have thousands of babies' names that were sent into me that I want to help honor. And while I can't read all of them, I want to end today's episode just by speaking some of the names of other women in this community of what they have named their babies who are no longer with us. And I just want to thank you all so much for being here this week on such an important conversation. Today we honor, and it is not limited to, Lincoln, Elizabeth, Teresa, the Carpenter Babies, Marenthi, Wren, James, Hunter, Jonathan, Kylie, Nor, Nico, Tori, Audra, Amanda, Baby Dollar, Jesse Beloved, James, Shalom, Rowan, Sela, Peanut, Autumn, Hannah, Charles, William, Zephaniah, Madison, Joan, Baby L, James, Daniel, Patrick, Oliver, Baby Denning, Olivia, Grace, Olive, MJ, Rala, Jonathan, Baby Burhorst, Baby Miller, Ian Richard, Ma'a, Franklin, Isabella, Caden, Jackson, Anna Carroll, Quinton, Ollie, Josephine, Sarah, Elizabeth Louise, Everly Rose, Jordan, Taylor, Ron and John, Emma and Anne, Jason, Hallie, Carlton, Penelope, Baby Robson, Collins, Sophie, Summer, Mila, Reva, Finn, Bennett, Charles Lane, Everly, Glenn, Holden, Brian, George Clayton, Hazel, Baby D, Gage, Marlo, Papa, Vickers, Blake Alexander, Catherine Lucy, Michaela, Oscar Gray, Baby B, Amelia Joe Rishin, Edwards, Chanel, Maverick, Kai, Max, Kimball, Jesse, Hudson Ryan, Renly Joy, Ruthie Lynn, Baby Boy K, Patricia, Jade, PJ, Fox, Luca, Mia Gray, Isabella Francesca, the Clark Babies, Leo, Judah and Jordan, Knox, Baby H, Bo, Esther, April, Damon, Lily, Jet, Lincoln, Levi Thomas, and my own baby boy, Jace. I could go on with the list of names that were sent, so if I didn't make it to yours, know that I have read them all, and I honor them with you, and I honor the invisible pain that you carry. Until I see you again next week, take good, good care of yourself. I am so sorry that you have to be so brave. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination, it's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, Make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.